Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Here is part two of Midwife on the Block. Like it's super de- is demanding. I would say super, it can be because you are so, it's almost like I tell people, I'm like, it's almost like I'm a single mama with, and I'm like, where's the daddy? You know, cause I'm like, <laughs> cause you have all the mom, you have all the babies, right? And the mamas. <laughs> and it's like, you are that guy, you are that resource. You know what I'm saying? So if that person is having issues, you're going to be the one that have to figure that out. And, and that's another reason why I was telling a sister midwife is that the mid, we have to go back to the days of old where there was midwives within a community, one community. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like how you have now where it's scattered among the nations. Yeah. Where they could barely find any midwives. No, when you hear the stories of the midwives, even in the South, when they said, no, we have thousands of midwives. What, please, girl, what? No, there's so many midwives. We were just all over the place. And so that where was instead of it's exception, instead of it being an exception to the rule of like, oh, there is a midwife here. Like, oh, really? It's like, no, let's, Yes, everybody knew them. Like, even the mere fact I can hear statistics from Florida, like thousands of midwives were here. Like, what? Thousands? Like, now it's like a couple of hundreds, you know? Where so to me, the workforce is gone. Like the people that used to do that, who were, like I said, your grannies and your aunties, or even not, well, not granny, but your grandmother, your yeah, aunt, yeah. they're not there. They're not there. And also the, this, 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 the, because of like, I guess, rules, laws, and regulations, they've turned people to me, I would say almost, they are attempting to, are attempting to turn people into invalids. Now women feel like they're powerless. They don't know how to birth baby, or their babies. Um, you know, now anybody, unless you have a degree, you don't know what you're talking about you don't you know you don't oh you can't comb hair until I tell you to comb hair you better go to cosmetology school I'm surprised they don't tell us mothers to go to cosmetology school before I comb my little daughter's hair you know (laughs) you know because and I understand that regulations and laws have to be there and I feel like they're there because now strangers are there because if I know my aunt and I know that she's been a midwife for so many years and I've seen her deliver all our cousins I'm not going to think like this person is negligent I'm not I know her I know her track record I know her you get what I'm saying so now laws and rules and regulation came in because why because you ripped away people's knowing of who does what you get what I'm saying I don't know who does what so of course you want to have have the law have laws now to regulate that I don't know Mr. Bobby what his track record is and he's an orthodontist I don't know him so, well, you know, we got to have some laws and regulations for these strangers. Let's just call it what it is. Absolutely. But I think it's, I think it's important to say um, is that there could be a balance with it, you know? Absolutely. Um, so you mm-hmm. can have that experience and know much more than what someone's learning in a book, as opposed to being there and understanding, like I said, my midwife, understanding my breathing, you know, she's even said, I know when mom's called me, she's like, I think it's time. And she's like, no, go back to sleep. You're not even there. Yeah. You're having a full blown conversation with me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah, that doesn't come with a de- and that doesn't come with a degree. I tell people no. all the time, like, I didn't become a nurse until I was on the floor. I didn't. I read. I, we. I had the, the bachelor's, whatever. Uh, but that meant almost. It does. It, nothing. It means nothing. But this, like, even when you will look at the older nurses that were not mm-hmm. RNs, and they would tell you stories of how they trained all the RNs because that was now the thing. And the LPNs were like, oh, and the aides, nurses, aides, like we trained all of them. We even trained the doctors because at the end of the day, why? Because they had the experience. They were on the floor. 
I, there's so many times I would, a doctor would ask me when I used to work, like, so what you think? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what I think? I'm the nurse. You, you know, but he, knows, <laughs> but he knows because he knows I'm the one on the floor. He knows that I have a relationship. You're the conversations. You're the one yes. on the Yes. Yeah. He knows I'm the one with the clock, with the patient. I mean, like there's been times where we have, we've had many times where nurses have to, you know, call a code or we see that this baby is crashing and, you know, in the crib, we're like, listen, I'm doing all what I need to do, but you need to, you know, change this baby to another high uh, acuity care, uh, you know, go take this baby back to the pack, the pack you or the NICU because this baby is not, you know, stable enough to be here where we are at. You know what I'm saying? So we're the ones making those decisions, not them. They're not here. I'm not saying that they did, it's their fault. They yeah, may be in the yeah, they may be in area, other areas, ER and other patients' room, but we are the individuals seeing it in real time and having to deal with all the Absolutely. burns and the cuts and the bruises. So, so say, so does your daughter want to be a midwife? <laughs> what does she uh, do? You know, interestingly enough, she was like, oh, I wouldn't be, mind being a birth assistant, you know, like, you know, because she sees me. But not the funny thing is you'll hear stories of children that are anti-birth at all because their parents have always been away from them. Well, you'll hear those really That's bad a good point. stories. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. We have, they claim that we have high divorce rates. I wouldn't know, I'm a single mom, but they have, <laughs> and I can see why, because for some, because if you, you were, you're almost disconnected. And so for me, even me in my own solo practice, I realized I have to reinvent the wheel. I have to do, there's something else that God is calling me to do because I refuse to allow, allow anything that I'm doing, take away from me and my time from my child. Cause I would be in the office for hours and my daughter will understand, but at the same time, it's like, wait, she's going to be growing. So if I'm here for everyone else's milestone and magical moments and I'm not there for yours, what, what? No, that's not what life is supposed to be. And so I'm saying village has to return because when village returns, balance returns because I know grandma or auntie or daddy or somebody's watching me or playing with me and helping me with my schoolwork. And, you know, my mom is not over here, you know, buried underneath, you know, paperwork right. or whatever, calling, answering calls, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so it's important to have that balance. And I feel like only when community truly comes back into the picture, that balance will truly be there. I yeah. Agree. Because then, then we can now start. Yeah. Then we can start to be to remember who we are and, you know, our, you know, how we were designed to, you know, birth, to, we remove birth fear from the room. Yes. A lot of midwives, even a lot of um, obstetricians and uh, midwives, they're fearful of like lawsuits. You know what I'm saying? And imagine, imagine, that's why sometimes in my mind, like, imagine I come into your house, God forbid, if something goes wrong, God forbid, because remember, for me, it's God forbid, because I don't have no intention for anything going wrong. But then I'm going to be demonized and lose my license and go to jail for something that I was like, I checked all my T's, dot all, yeah. my, you know, dot all my I's, and yeah. still, yeah, I still, I'm going to be, you know, because you got to blame somebody, right? Uh, we have, they have removed death from culture. They've, they've removed death from life. And, you know, don't get me wrong, there is negligence. That would be crazy for me to believe that people are not negligent. You know what I'm saying? That's the reason why I do not take on a high client load. I always only do one to two births per month because I wanted to be so intimate that I'm not feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're then running on fuses and you could possibly maybe make a mistake on exactly or miss something i want to have enough time where right. i can call any and every senior midwife like hey girl um so her hbc's and uh, her you know her kidney levels I'm, mm -mm, i ain't liking that we're gonna get her evaluated you know but if i didn't have the time there's gonna be some miss they're going to be same thing in the hospital if i have so much clients or patients there's gonna be misses there is going to be misses, especially if I don't know you intimately to just automatically know something's going on with you without looking at your chart. I go like, uh-uh, something wrong with Mary. Why? Look at her face. 
her color look off today? But if I never know Mary, I'm, and I'm just going, I can just look at her, probably her lab value, like, oh, they look good, she look good. But when I go to the room, not realize, like, no, Mary's usually energetic and super chatty. And today, even though I looked at her labs and they look fine, she's not she's fine. Yeah, but I wouldn't know that because I don't have a relationship with her. You get what I'm saying? I might just see her sleeping in bed. Oh, well, her blood level looks good. And okay, so, she's fine. And to, that's actually a good point because I want to pivot into the racial ethnic disparities between Black women and Native American and Alaskan Natives because actually I have some statistics here. And I, the reason why I want to go into that is maybe you offer an opinion. Why do you think that that is so? So just to say they say about 700 women die each year in the U.S. as a result of pregnancy or its complications. American Indian, Alaskan Native, and Black women are two to three times as likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause than white women, which I think is just yeah. insane. Why do you think that that is? Like, what, well, what, off, like, what are your thoughts behind that? Because I'm sure you're a black woman yourself. I'm sure yeah. a lot of women take care. Like, what, what are your thoughts? I think also, okay, so there's several factors. You know, we already know this is very a layered question, right? <laughs> so, that is true. Yes, I know. Yeah, what there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of layers. I'm not going to say that certain people don't get disrespected because that would be a lie if I never said that. You may see, a, say, for example, culturally, the way that we've been indoctrinated, like, well, a white woman is here. Okay, well, you know, they're going to expect the creme de la creme of services. Um, even if their insurance was the same as like, you know, Bethany's insurance, you know what I'm saying? Because the, the demand may be differently or the expectation of care or the delivery of care may be differently. Like, oh, let me gently fold your napkin versus where I can fold this person's napkin any way I want to because they're just going to take it. You know what I'm saying? And that's a cultural thing as well, too. Because even being a black person, why do I expect that that's okay? Like, oh, well, she's rough. It's okay. Like, we let a lot of things slide. Let's just we keep do. it real. We do. We and that alone being a woman of color, of a Latin woman, of saying it is, there's sometimes you're going to why am I expecting this? Like, yeah. But, yeah. Then if, but then if you say something, but then you're seen as an angry black woman, an angry Spanish woman, you're making too big of a deal of it. Right. So and then you're going to be ill-treated. Right. You know, so it's the truth. And let's just keep it 100. Like, you know, for me and our, my culture, like, yo, we want to keep it 100. You know, if you are seen as like the quote unquote angry person who seems to be, but I would say like, you have, we have to change that narrative. Like where I'm not angry, I'm assertive. And what I am telling you is that I need this done. And that's what needs to be done. Period. You understand? You understand? And so you need to know your rights as well, too. And I think because of, in this society, our rights were never honored. And let's just keep it real. When your rights are never honored, does it? I can scream as loud as I want. That don't mean nothing if my rights are not being honored. If the you, if the Constitution has uh, Black Americans or just Black people in general is still like what one third or one fifth a human being, you know, you're still deemed as property or cattle. <laughs> you know, then you see it all makes sense. But you're not learned, taught that in school. You're not taught. To, well, if you are, you're not really taught like. Well, you know, you guys don't really have rights. Like, really? No, of course not. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you're not taught that at five and four as you're going up. You, sure. But you still got to learn U.S. history, but you're not learning that, hey, you know? So, yeah, okay. and that does translate into your care because you're going to you're gonna be taught like you don't matter. Let's just keep it real. You don't matter, right? Whatever your, whatever, whatever your needs are, are. Whatever your needs are, there's a high probability it may be met or it may not be. Because, you know, your your voice doesn't hold as much clout as, say, a white woman does, you know what I mean? Or a white person, or in general, you know what I'm saying? Or even the medical profession is feel like we have to be more polished when we step into this room versus the next room where, you know, I, they can wait. You know what I'm saying? They can wait. But this person is going to be more 
it's going to be like, I need this done now. It better be done or it's problems going to happen. I'm going to sue everybody up in here. We're black people for the most part. Let's keep it real. We don't even sue for the most part. We don't. We can get a lot of grievous offenses to us and we probably for financially can't afford to sue nobody. So it's like, well, I ain't got no money for no lawyer. It is what it is. Another day. Do, 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 for sure. You know? And then yeah. I guess the other side of it would be then even the health issues of food deserts being in low income neighborhoods of um, one of the comments you made earlier, which I think is 100% is you're like, look, it all goes into the food that we eat, what we're watching, what we're listening to, all of that is part of taking care of this. Yeah, absolutely. And even learning about redlining, and I'm sure it's the same thing in regards to hospitals, like certain places that is true. are having like an issue with uh, like they're removing uh, uh, um, the labor and delivery units from hospitals. Like what? Like birth is everywhere. How can you do that, you know, and wow. it's happening. So that's making even a higher demand on the hospitals that do have labor and delivery units. You get what I'm saying? Because now they're going to be pouring in. If you close that hospital labor and delivery unit, then what's my options? So the options are coming, becoming smaller and smaller, not just only for the in uh, for hospitals, for outside and inside providers, uh, pretty much I'm saying, out of, out of hospitals. The, their options are not, they're becoming minimal at best because if the resources are not pulling in they're going to pull that unit out of the hospital because it's not making the money you know because sure. it's, it's the business it's like they said the business of birth or being born is the is a business for these these the, these these systems right. so i'm saying like at the end of the day birth has to be pulled for me for the most part has to be pulled out of these systems um, um don't get me wrong they should be a they should be a service for obstetricians and once again an obstetrician is a surgeon so people need to understand this if they don't know it they can definitely look it up an obstetrician is a surgeon they are taught to do surgeries okay they are not midwives okay a gynecologist talks about gynecology well women issues that's a gynecologist she studies those issues so that's why they call them OBGYS. and so that's why you know you got to understand that so they they and like some obstetrician will tell you i've never seen, i've only seen like two three live births before i've already been doing that's surgery crazy because it, but it's, but it's crazy for us to go there, if anything. Because at the end of the day, you want a normal delivery, and you you're expected to have one, but you're going to go see a surgeon. I'm a surgeon. Let's be real. Let's be fair. I'm a surgeon. So in my mind, I'm like, mm, anything could be warranted for the most. A lot of things could be warranted. You having this C-section, in my opinion, because I'm a surgeon. You know what I'm saying? So that's where you're going to get the rat. Where somebody else that say is a midwife or a certified nurse midwife in the hospital, she's like, oh, no, you have time. You have time. Because mm. I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with the stages of labor, and I know that it takes time. Correct. A hundred percent. So um, as we wind this down, what, what do you, what would you, I guess first I want to say what's your goals for your own practice? And then I, and then my second question with that will be, what do you hope kind of changes maybe in the birth community as a whole? Well, my personal goals for my personal practice is that I realize that God has called me to do teaching for sure. And I know that he's going to make it come to fruition. Um, we need to have schools. There's no schools that, okay, the reason why I'm saying this is because I host workshops. I host birth assistant workshops. I call the Black Sisters Birth Assistant Workshops. And I hosted one just out of bare necessity because as a new grad, I wanted to train my own birth assistant. And a, a, a mutual friend of mine who is a midwife, who's also a new grad, she's like, hey, I have some girl, um, ladies that would love to get that kind of training. Would you mind if we join you? You join you? And I was like, okay, sure. And when I did it, it was by all, all caps locks magical. I mean, because to see people like transition and be moved and to cry and all sorts of things. And mind you, this is a 
I'm training. Like, I don't play no games. Like, you're going to get your curriculum. You're getting your skills. You're doing it. But to still see that other element of people feeling comfortable in the space, feeling free, it was a beautiful thing. I mean, literally, people are hand expressing their milk in a cup, you know, to get to prepare for their give their baby in a bottle. I'm like, this is, and they don't know these people from ever, never met these people, you know what I'm saying? And you have enough co- comfortability to, you know, just pop it out, you know. I'm just saying, like, to me, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I realized that, you know, me, I can definitely serve um, a family, like, by helping them usher in life. But how can, imagine if you could help by teaching another, you know, another well, there's colleague. There's like a proverb of that is like, teach one, but if you teach a bit, whatever I, I, I don't i definitely don't yes i know the proverb but i'm not sure yeah i know you're talking about the proverb but it's like yeah you teach more it's like there's more yeah by yeah yeah so it's like when you teach like the mom like when you teach one mom she can have like five six seven kids but that one mother what she's gonna do for the, her children is like oh, multiplied yeah. times ten hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. you know so for me it was like there has to be a school and for me the school has to be attached to a birth center to a farm i just have it all because in my yeah. mind we need to bring back village so even if we have you know well you know because i didn't finalize all the plans so i know we can talk about the podcast but we need to bring back village we need to bring back village so i feel like it's god has implanted in me that i have to bring back the village so my efforts have to be transformed in a in a, in a way where that's the work that needs to be done awesome. yeah 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 so it'd be cool of course to be the one individual solo midwife but i realized that even then i was not we we're not meant to be alone we right. just want you to be alone so now coming on that and i realized that that's why i was having such a hardship because it was like i was alone trying to manage all these things and it's, it's a community is supposed to be managing these things not right. one person and you're that's why be, I was like, think it's me me and you're like wait a minute birth is about community and I think that's awesome that you even recognize that be like how am I going to teach about community to my women when I need to build my own community yes. to help people yes and that's so vital because now you feel whole your kids are not feeling left feeling desolate they feel whole and so I'm all about being whole because I feel like we've been functioning in a system that is broken and you cannot pretend like it is broken and if you do, that's your business because you're living in a mirage, you're wearing the mask. But for me, I refuse to wear the mask. And you know why? Because I couldn't wear the mask any longer. In my 20s, I wore the mask. We bit, we, uh, you know, you, you grew, you know, you, you bared it. Where, but where, now yeah. it's, yeah, you bared it, you know. And then when you got to a certain age, I was like, oh no, the mask can't stay on because it's real. I'm like, I'm in pain, my back hurts. Oh my God, I'm, I'm tired. I miss my daughter, you know. I want to go home and cuddle and I can't cuddle her. It's like, oh. I think yeah, I think your 20s, you kind of just accept it and take it. And then, you know, I know for me, even in my career, I was very ambitious and I didn't say no to things of overtime and <clears throat> push myself. And then now, yeah, my 30s, pushing 40 and having a husband and having a son, I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> what am I doing? You have to yeah. be more, like we said, yeah. setting up boundaries. So it's yeah. dope that you're recognizing that now to be able to do that because I think that's only going to set you up for more success in the future. Absolutely. And it's going to set up other people because that's my thing is just for us to all be constantly aware of like, okay, don't settle and, you know, listen to your spirit. What does your gut tell you? Because a lot of times this culture has taught you to turn that off, turn it off. Don't listen to what your gut is telling you because you have to, the, the, the supply and demand, supply and demand, you know? And it's like, no, that's not how. Supply and demand and what's everything that we're seeing on social media. This person has this, so I need to do it this way. And it's like, no, 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 yeah. turn that off. 
And what are Turn you, it off. what's yourself? What do you need? What does Christine yeah. need? What does Nicole need? What does Janelle need? What do we need? And that's a beautiful thing. Cause sometimes, even though I'm new to the social media life, literally, cause even oh, but Instagram. I love your page. I wish you, <laughs> it's I know so we're running towards them, but you have such a beautiful, empowering, empowering Instagram, which I will obviously list here when I post this, but it's just so empowering. The aesthetics, it's just beautiful. Oh, well, praise God. I really think that that's, that's I would definitely, I uh, credit it to listening to spirit because, you know, I know that there's things where you can populate these apps and they'll populate it for you per the week, I guess. But I, I literally allow the spirit to talk to me like, what do I want to resonate today? And, and I feel like it's beautiful to show the beauty of life because life is beautiful if you're living it and if you're consciously aware of it. But if you're not, you know, even when I thought about the moon cycle, I'm like, wow, how crazy is that about the human body and how, you know, we as women have cycles and human beings have cycles as well, too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just seeing how we are reflective of nature. We just aren't, some, are, some people are aware of it and some are not. Mm -hmm. But if we just took a moment to actually realize it, it's such a beautiful eye-opening thing. No, and, so I think, that's, and I think with the social media thing, I know all the things I've seen, obviously I'm trying to build my own page and I'm kind of similar to you. I think when I first started it, I was like, oh, maybe I need to post this. And I was posting this and I'm like, that's not so authentic to me and mm -hmm. everything, I can't post like that. So I do have like an organized, organized thing to an extent, but I'm similar to you too. Like I need to post what I'm feeling at the moment. I yeah. can't, like, and it's based on what we're just, obviously you're, you're in birth and I'm about mom stuff. So it's, it's relative to what your subject Absolutely. is. Um, Absolutely. But I think the biggest thing that I've heard from people to be successful in social media or in anything is be your authentic self. So, yes. and, it's, you're, and it's coming off authentic. Anything that you're posting on your social media that I've seen, like when I come on, I know what your intentions are. I know what you're about. I know what your values are. And I think that's what people want to take when they go on someone's page, right? Um, so, you know, yeah, that's awesome. be you. Yeah, I was gonna say for anybody, because people do ask me my, like, say my midwife friends, like, girl, you got people coming on your page, like, I guess pretty steady. And it's interesting. That's another thing I got. I, I appreciate God for allowing me to not know because I don't know what is good versus not good. You know what I'm saying? I'm just thinking like, mm -hmm. I'm just, it's normal, I guess, or whatever. And, but what it ta taught me is just be you. If you can be you, they will you, come. Yeah. Somebody told me that said when I told them I was going to be a midwife and I was in school and she was a Nigerian um, health aide for my grand aunt. And she said, what are you going to be? I said, I want to, I'm studying to be a midwife. She said, oh, that's a good job. They will come to you. And when she told me that, I said, what? It opened my whole paradigm in my mind. I'm like, wow, they will come to me. So if you want to find me, just like you, they got to search for you like hidden treasures because you are a treasure. So when they find you, it's like, oh. Wow, look at this beautiful treasure. And that's how you got to see yourself. Like your content is just positive. It's uplifting. It's educational. So keep up, you know, whatever, you know, don't lose that spirit of what you're posting on there. Don't lose you. That's pretty much what it boils down to it. When you are... Yeah, don't look at nobody else. That's good that you don't know the numbers because I think then we become obsessed. Like, well, then I need to get more because I, I, I had that for a little bit. And I'm like, I need more followers. And I'm like, stop it. And since, no lie, I have been more organic with it and not really cared and just posted um, yeah. consistently. But things that are relative to what I need to speak about, I've seen it 
grow organically in it. Yeah. Of course, like a buy followers and they have all these things, but I'm just like, no, I, yeah. I have just like you have a vision. It's like, I have a vision for what this is and I'm just yeah. letting it roll. I don't need to have 10,000 followers to compare. No, no. This it's almost like they're yeah. your people. Remember, it's like, it's almost like your tribe, right? Because there's some people that want to leach onto the tribe. I'm supposed to keep it real. And then you just kind of, I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes I see it, like, especially those, those Bitcoin people, whatever they are, I'll just delete some. I ain't gonna lie. Some of them are like, you know because my thing is like i am intentional about the people that are going to be in this space and so unless but some people you know you never know the most high may lead them there to learn but you have to be intentional about what you're doing and who you allow in your spaces 100%. and so yeah and so even the information that's given it's almost like what does my ladies want to hear about today you know what i'm saying like what did it what is my spirit telling me they need to know i feel like for me like especially on sundays i feel like it's very important it's to um to amplify family so sometimes even because birth to me is family like life and love and all of this is the same this is the same um sphere so we i got i'm just marrying it i'm just putting them all together and just be like here yeah yeah so karina i want to christina i want to get into a quick get to know and just kind of now okay. know about okay. Christina, the woman. What okay. is your favorite movie? Okay, that's interesting. I saw that. And also, in regards to that, I actually do not have a favorite movie. I, I don't. I, I enjoy a lot of movies, but I don't have a favorite. So what's the one that, like, and I like asking this question because I'm a movie girl. I love all kinds of movies. But yeah. what is the one that when it's on, you catch yourself watching? When you do have time. Because I'm sure you're busy. But when you do have um, time. <laughs> which one do you catch? It's so funny. Like, when I was younger, I watched iRobot a little bit. And I was like, ugh. But as I've gotten older, I've seen movies that are speaking to life. And you were unaware of it. That's mm -hmm. the ones that catch me. Like, oh, my God. God, they were talking about what's going on in today's like what's go what is to come, but we weren't aware of it. Like IG taking over, and now when I watch basketball and I see that the fans are digital people mm -hmm. in the stadium, I mean, or in the in the stands, I'm like, well, you know, well, I robot did talk about this, you know, <laughs> you know, so like movies that talk about like current events that you didn't realize was about to come because a lot of things are orchestrated in this world, if you know what I mean. So yes. now seeing it as an older person, I'm like, wow, they were talking about it. We just weren't aware or paying attention or even Correct. the matrix. They told, you know? they told us about this and we're just now. Yeah. Now it's resonating with you as you get older. Cause you're like, Correct. Oh wow. Cause the information is new. So yeah, I like those kind of movies. Any movies that are thought provoking that are going to give you that other, like, Hey guys, I know, but wink, wink. You're like, Ooh, I know too now. <laughs> I mean, I can, I, I love, I love thriller and I love stupid movies too. That make me whatever, but any movie or any book that can get me, which is my next question. What is your favorite book or what book do you recommend the most or uh, recommend the most or a book that really, really resonated with you? Once again, I'm not a book reader either. I, I love it. Yeah, I like even as a child, I was like, hey, if it don't got pictures, I don't want it. Um, because I love to watch, uh, yeah, I love to look at settings and emotions. So I've always been a child that's drawn or gravitated to imagery. Um, because vision, yeah, imagery always resonated with my like my soul. Like I could see, like if you're speaking, you're speaking too loud with the words. But if I was looking, I can feel what you're saying right. without you saying it. So I was always someone who's into visual art versus yeah. like. Yeah, so what I was never your, what's your favorite artist? Um, I don't have a particular one. And that's the thing. Like I, I, I think I have a appreciation for a lot of people. There's not one that I feel like sure, that you can. Yeah, yeah. You are the one. 
like I just have a lot of appreciation for different arts and different genres. And yeah, because I don't feel like at the end of the day that everyone's just so unique. And so there's not one that just always, I'm just sitting over there like. If you you see a piece and it speaks to you, then that's what speaks to you. Right, exactly, exactly. And some people have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's me. So what has motherhood taught you? Oh, I love motherhood, honestly. Motherhood taught me to live. That's what motherhood taught me. Motherhood taught me, like, if you were me, mom, like, if I was my daughter, what would I want to do? And I'm like, I would want to be as liberated as possible, as free as possible, feeling like I'm, I matter and, va- and, and that I'm, I, my existence yeah. is, yeah, valued and mattered. Um, that's what motherhood taught me. Motherhood taught me to be free. Honest to God, motherhood taught me to live my biggest dream. Like, just live. Just yeah. keep living. Yeah, that's what motherhood taught me. Enjoy life because they grow so fast too. And that's even what it really taught me like, oh my God, that's like, just like life. Like, yeah, life goes by fast, enjoy it. Yes, you know, yes. be present. Cause that's my child. Like when I saw her growing and I was so appreciative that I wasn't into phones back then, even though it was a thing, I didn't have social media. So I literally was like watching her making the steps and like enjoying all of that. It was so blissful for me. And, and so for me, it taught me to be present and to enjoy life and to the fullest. Like, yeah, so I love it. Yeah. Love it. Um, since you do spend a lot of time giving yourself as a mom, giving yourself um, to these women, as you say, you know, your babies, <laughs> no yeah. pun intended, like your babies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you do for your mental health breaks? What do you do to take care of Christina? Well, Christina, is, this is a beautiful question because I still, you know, I, I love that you actually um, are asking it. But Christina has started to learn that I have to be intentional about self-care. I was not. The biggest self-care thing I used to do and still do is that I lean on community, which is like, say, um, a sister or a friend. I'll call them like, I'm having a hard time, you know, processing this or I'm feeling this kind of way. And we talk and I'm per- we purge together on the phone and vice versa. So um, community and friendships, I would say friendships have been my self-care where I can able to like to vent and to let go and not so carry loads. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm learning more that there's other self-care and I'm super excited to like actually really free myself in that kind of realm. So that's what I'm saying. I, I, we'll we'll have to have a part two where we talk about Christina, you know, when she- <laughs> how, has Christina, how has Christina finally taken care of herself? Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like it's a, I don't know if it's a woman issue, but I've been that person that took on the world always and was like, I can carry it, I can carry it. And now I've gotten, thank God with age, where I feel it. And I'm like, ooh. I can't carry But I think that goes back to the initial, I think, I think our whole conversation has been like about indoctrination of how things as women. So I think you just hit the nail on your head. And I think it also goes back to the black maternal, um, mature, maternal, um, it's, I can handle it that, oh, you can, black women can handle it. Yes. It's seriously, it, that's the culture of, I can so handle look, it. You, even yourself, as much as you're self-aware of knowing women need X, Y, stuff, X, Y, Z, look what you've even told yourself, like, oh, I'm good. I can handle yeah. it. And it's like, wait, time out. It is okay to say, I need a break. Maybe I don't, I, I can't be with my daughter right now either. I need Christina to be alone with Christina, whether it's painting, um, whatever it is that I enjoy. And I think that goes back to what this whole thing has been indoctrination of it's supposed to be like this and we've just been in this rat race of yep 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 yeah. without saying wait a minute we need to take a step back and do what we need to do for ourselves 
Yeah. And I think that also helped for some people, even with the quarantine, that that has taught them that as well, too. That, you know, life has been passing me by and the things that I've been paying attention to have, it's actually not, it's not the, it's not, it's not what's as important. important. Yeah, it's not what's important. It really isn't. And yeah. so I, I, I know some people may not like it, but I'm actually appreciative to a certain degree of for it because I feel like it, not, not in regards to those that has passed, you know, I've no, I, I honor sure, that. Sure. I, I definitely honor that in regards to that. Um, but in regards to being still and knowing what is like a priority now yeah. and yeah. And to channeling that knowing, and also your God given gifts and talents. Cause you, a lot of, you know, you're going to, when you sit with you, you get to see you you know, more clearly. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing. And yeah. I think that's what was missing because we weren't, I mean, we could even go up, talk about all the uprisings that occurred because I remember after, you know, Ahmaud Aubrey and George Floyd, and I was like, wow, look at all these people coming together. And then it hit me and I'm like, yeah, because people aren't running around like they used to. So people had to stop and see, this is, look what is going on. So I think that's why it's erupted the way it is because we've had to slow down. So maybe people would have pushed it. Maybe they wouldn't have listened so much or maybe they would have wanted to care, but they had to do 20 other things. Yeah. Well, now the world has to listen. Yeah. It's almost like the standstill. So people can see that people are being afflicted and it matters. And if you are, you, it should matter to you too. It should matter. And I think people are realizing that like, oh shit, I didn't realize this because I was in my own little bubble. Yeah. Everyone to kind of, come out of that bubble because we're all facing basically the same as far as being home, being in this pandemic, being quarantined. We're all kind of going through that. What have you missed during quarantine and what are you not going to miss? Like what, what do you be like, oh my God, I wish I could just have been able to do this. And then what are you no longer going to miss? after? Well, the only thing I would say in regards to like say in, in practice, what I did miss, oh my God, what I did really miss was hugs because we always yes. would hug the clients, always. Like we start with a hug, we end with a hug. And I missed that. So when I had my client and she birthed her baby, we didn't really hug per se. But when we had our six week postpartum, oh my God, it broke all my heart because she literally held my hand so tight. Like, Christina, I'm going to miss you so much. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know how, you know, yeah. And I ain't gonna lie. I did. I was like, you, it's okay. Because I'm like, you can touch because we didn't touch because we didn't hug ever. Because when we first met, it was during the quarantine. Mm -hmm. And so we were never embracing, Mm -hmm. you know, I only embraced her a little bit during labor because she was going through a a hard, you know, she hit a wall a little bit and I allowed her to lean on me. And I, you know, and I kind of like hugged her, kind of like whisper in her ear, like, it's okay. I understand. You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to get it. You're going to, you know, go through this. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. You know? So I allowed her to rest on me but normally I wouldn't we don't hug we don't we were we're not we weren't shaking hands nothing so it was our six-week postpartum where I allowed her to we I allowed her to sit close, I sat close to her yeah and I just she held my hand and she just clo- held my hand so tight and she looked at me so in and so engaged and she was just like you don't understand how much you mean to me and I'm like oh my god you know like <laughs> Like it just took my whole soul. Like, oh my God, I couldn't imagine somebody's eyes could just take my soul with their hand, you know? And I just allowed her to embrace me because I knew that she needed that for her to realize like, I love you, you know? And that's what I'm saying. Like with midwifery care for me, it's more like, it really is a, I love you. When you get to be that intimate, it's like, no, I love you. Like I'm serious. So like, I guess the next follow-up question to that, I know what you're looking forward to post-COVID and quarantine is hugging and getting yes, that human touch. I love human. Because that's what life is all about. The human touch is power. Powerful. That's it is powerful. Isn't, it? Isn't that the beginning of chest to chest and what mother yes. and baby? 
And even if before, it begins before then. Look how close the baby is connected. Like a placenta is literally inwoven, woven, woven into a mother's womb in her body. Like human touch is almost like probably the first thing that we do, you know? So it's Look, my powerful. son is gonna be my son is going to be three. And to this day, and when we put him to bed, mommy, can I lay on your chest? And he yeah. will lay between my chest, really like my belly kind of middle mm-hmm. to this day and he sometimes he falls asleep sometimes he doesn't but he just needs to that's home that's home that's home and that's why i feel like kids even when they lay their head on their mom's stomach it's like that's home that's my first home that is home and for humanity that is home yeah it is yeah i mean there's i think statistics that say um people that have grown up to be sociopaths and psychopaths and really like you know mental issues yeah yeah they did not have much human yeah. touch. They did not have yeah. that. It's not even the, the voice of saying, I love you, the human touch of being hugged and being kissed and being. Yeah. And safe. I'll give you a real scenario real quick. It's like, uh, cause I work, like I said, mother baby unit and the elder nurses, like who've been in there like 20, 30 years in, they were telling me how in the back in the olden days, I guess you would say the babies that were being adopted, they would put them to the back of the nursery. And the ones that didn't, that had their parents, they were brought to the front of the nursery because they could be viewed in the window by their parents. And they said that the babies in the front of the windows would always cry. And the babies in the back never used to cry. And it's because almost they realized that I know that when my, I cry, that someone's probably not going to be jumping to me right away. Mm-hmm. But with their babies in the front window, they knew like I could one wink and somebody's jumping, running, come and catch me or whatever, that kind of thing. And can you imagine? Imagine right there at birth, a child could have an understanding of like of desolation or like a disconnect. You get what I'm saying? So I know, yeah. So trust me, even when it comes to breastfeeding, I feel like it may, and I'm not knocking anyone that bottle feeding, of course not, no. But I'm saying even that intimate connection of that exchange of like nourishing someone directly from you, it's there is an exchange. Well, I think it goes back to also what we've talked about. This is the spiritual aspect that is taking away of birth. Um, yeah. and labor and delivery um, and breastfeeding and all of that. I think it's been taken away in society. Um, and I think hopefully with the work you're doing, even me having conversations of bringing yeah. to, to normalizing um, the spirituality of birth and yeah. you know, empowerment of it and all of that, which is a whole nother <laughs> thing. Yeah, because we are all connected. We are, we are. I mean, my daughter's 11 and I still sometimes like, I wish I could just, Throw you on <laughs> breastfeeding. And then that's why people are like, girl, you need another baby. I'm like, oh, because it's so breastfeeding is super. I've just enjoyed that thoroughly. And yeah. it's because of the intimacy of it, because yeah. there's a there's such a bond with it. You're you giving to, life to your child. You're giving yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and they love you off. Yeah. I mean, the fi- the smiles you get. I mean, you know what I'm talking if you If you breastfed, I mean, sometimes I did, you get up that. Until those, he was three years old, girl. Yeah. You get those winks, you know, those little winks they give you, like, you little, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just a well, when, thing. You, when he would throw a tantrum and I remember we were trying to kind of lean off of the pacifier yeah. and it was a dumb time to do it it was just I was so upset why I listened to my husband to not give him the pacifier at the time but it ended up being a beautiful experience because we went to a museum and he was overwhelming for him and I just went to the corner and I never forget there was nowhere to sit and I was in the bathroom hallway between the men's room and the women's room and it was the quietest part of it and I just yeah you know, in like a squatting position. Yeah. He was like a year and a half, I think at this point, put out my boob and just brought him to town. And I remember people walking by and I'm just sitting there like, God, and he just had this like, oh, thank you. 
and he's just struggling and going and he fell asleep and I was like okay well I didn't have a pacifier but I had the boobs so that was probably even more what he wanted than anything else you know yeah and think about it because trust me you can talk forever think about it a pacifier is what it does it pacifies you it doesn't address anything the Correct. issue may be, mom, I may needed that coddling. Mom, I may have been thirsty. I just need a little, just a little cap off. I'm in a little partial. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just needed you to focus on me because I'm so tired. I really oh, he was that. out. I mean, to the point yeah. that I was in the stroller with him all through the different floors of the museum. People were screaming. And he was just like, he was done. Yeah. The boob had served its purpose. <laughs> it has a sedative of properties, too. It does. It has sedative, okay. relaxing properties. So it's real. The power in the milk is real. I can't, I can't discredit it. So my last question is any any final thoughts? Actually, I'll do two. And some people have put it together. Some people have I've said different things. What advice would you love to leave for your daughter on here um, or that you would love for her to carry with her or any final thoughts to the podcast world? Well, my final thought, like what I've learned and I'm teaching my daughter is love you first. Love you first. Take care of you first. They like in the, I refer the word to as the Bible. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So that means that you have to love you first before you can love anyone genuinely. And if you're not treating yourself well and you're always putting yourself to the back burner, how authentically are you at loving anybody else? You can't love yourself first. And I've also learned is about the cup. Um, you know, your what's in your cup is for you. So um, don't serve from your cup, but serve from your overflow. Um, because if you are well taken care of and you've taken care of yourself well, then your blessings are just like, you know, your positivity, your energy is like pouring from your cup. And just by people being in your presence, they're being blessed or they're receiving like your overflow. You get what I'm saying? Because I can't hold it. So what's in my cup is for me. Because if I keep on pulling from my cup, then when it's time for me to drink, there'll be no water. There'll oh, be nothing. I love that. Right. So you serve from the overflow, always serve from your overflow and never serve from your cup. What's for in your cup is for you and yours, like your family, your immediate family and the overflow is for everybody else. Never serve from your cup. I love it. I love it, Christina. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I hope you have a great Sunday and uh, we'll talk soon. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Nicole. It was an honor to be on your podcast. And I wish you uh, a continuous, abundant success more than you can ever ask for or imagine. Thank you, Mama. You too. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate and give a review on the platform you're listening on. Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.